I want you to stand with me, if you would, please, and turn with me in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 14. I, 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 I heard Pastor Aaron and even my wife talking about the, the series that you guys are in right now. And, and then Pastor Aaron was talking to me this morning about the desire for us as the body of Christ to have that experience with Christ. Not just a religious experience, not just a the the time that we're at church experience, but literally when we walk out into our world that God would experience something in our lives daily. And uh, so I really believe this is right in tune with what God wants to say. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. If you found that, say amen. Amen. During the fourth watch of the night... Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time of the word today. God, I know that there's a lot of excitement in this room right now because we are thinking about the different things that are going to happen this week. Lord, kids being out of school and families getting together and lots of time of laughing and, and, and eating and fellowshipping. And God, there's so many things in advance, but God, we have no idea what we are going to face this week. God, we have no idea what is coming in our lives, but you do. And God, that is why we come to the house of God to prepare us. Lord, no matter what we're going through, what we may face, Lord, you are wanting to give us today the experience with you that would allow us to face anything that we may encounter. And so, God, I pray right now, as excited and, and, and all the anticipation and the things that are going to go on this week, God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would literally, for a few moments, capture our attention through the Word of God. Capture our attention, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, I pray. God, that we may literally allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill this room. God, that we would walk out of this day not being able to talk about anything else but exactly what God did in this room in every one of our lives. God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. We, we take that step of faith believing, Lord, that you are going to do something special in this room. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, just uh, a couple of things that we are we are so so excited about. That uh, how many know that milestones are important in our walk with God? Amen. Milestones that we should celebrate those. Uh, and so, in, in just a few months, uh, we're going to be celebrating the milestone of 20 years as a full-time evangelist. And I just looking back at the faithfulness of God, and that is just that's a milestone that has everything to do with God and nothing to do with me. And I am just so amazed by God's faithfulness. 20 years 
flying two and a half million miles, 55 countries, 44 of the United States, uh, going all over the world uh, and getting to share the incredible good news of Jesus Christ, getting to see people and languages and cultures around the world. And there is nothing like being able to come together and be with God's people. And the other milestone is our next soccer salvation camp and crusade that many of you know about at that ministry. The, that's part of our ministry that we do. We go into third world countries around the world and we work with a local church and we go out and we reach uh, like this last camp was in July in Haiti. Uh, we had 120 kids that were not going to church, that were not saved. And we brought them in for a free three-day soccer salvation camp and championship where we feed them, we give them a t-shirt, we give them a brand new Bible. That one, we gave them a Creole Bible, which is very difficult to find. The only new book they've ever had in their life, and that one new book is the Bible, the living Word of God, into 120 homes that did not have the Bible. And we give them a brand new soccer ball, and we throw out thousands of pieces of candy, and and we give out medals and trophies. But the greatest thing that God has always done in these is give the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ. And this next one we're going to do is number 40. The 40th one. Every one we have to raise $20,000 for each one. And you just start adding up and you see the faithfulness of God. And so we are 2040. That's, that's our milestones. 20 years, 40th soccer salvation camp. And how many knows the enemy doesn't want milestones to happen, right? He doesn't want us to be able to celebrate and testify, but uh, and, and I can attest that we are so close to these two milestones, and the enemy is fighting as hard as he can. He's trying to hold us back. He's trying to, but I know that God is going to be faithful to do this. Um, I, I, you know, as I was just praying last night and, and this morning and seeking God about today and what God would want to say to us, how many knows that the greatest... Uh, thing that we can experience to have a strong relationship with Christ is to be close to Him, right? Be close to Him. And how how do we get close to God? We know all the, the, the common things. We know all the obvious things. Come to the house of God and be a part of the family of God. We need the encouragement that comes from being with a family. Just like this week, uh, your pastor, sick, coughing, horrible, feeling, all these things on antibiotics, and he finds out our pod is arriving with all of our stuff from Texas, and he says, you know what, I'll get together, come over there with some guys from the church, and we'll help you, and, and you know what, I was like, you know, if we weren't a part of the family of God, things like that wouldn't happen. And I'm just uh, so honored and blessed that we get the opportunity to be a part of the family of God. Another thing we obviously know is we got to spend time in God's Word, right? That's the, that's the thing. You know, the, the number one thing to overcome something in your life is spend more time with God and less time with the world. Why, why do we expect God to do the supernatural if all we're doing is spending time with the world and the flesh and not with God? We get stronger the more time you spend in God's Word and prayer. Just like if you want to get fit and you want to work out and you want to build your muscles or you want to just get your, your, you know, do your cardio, uh, all those things. How many knows if you don't spend any time in the gym, then you're not going to accomplish that. So we know we need to pray. We need to be in God's Word. We need to come together. But there's another thing that God wants to focus on this morning. And that is we've got to understand that where Jesus walks, He walks in the supernatural. 
And I think that is one of the biggest areas that is untapped as Christians in the churches today is that we don't understand that God walks in the supernatural and we think we want miracles in our lives, but we want to stay in the boat. You see, the boat is the natural. Here's the disciples. Here's the disciples with Jesus. Jesus, he, he, he wasn't with them in the boat because he doesn't need a boat. Wouldn't you like to have a lake ministry that didn't involve a boat payment? Right? You know? Who needs a boat when you can walk on top of the water, right? There is no place that you can't get to to throw that rod and reel in there, you know? There's no issues. You can go wherever you want, however you want. And I think that so many times that this story represents exactly the picture of the church. All the disciples sitting in that boat that walked with Jesus for three and a half years. In fact, I like to put it this way. Those disciples, those 12 disciples that walked with Jesus for three and a half years, they, they, they walked with him, they lived with him, they slept, they ate, they did everything for three and a half years with him. They were a part of the original master's commission. The most incredible discipleship program ever known to mankind because the discipler was Jesus Christ himself. So why is it when these disciples out there in the boat in the middle of the night and Jesus shows up in the supernatural, but yet they didn't even recognize it? They were scared. You know what I I just like to compare this moment to is when they saw this person walking and they thought it was a ghost oh it's scary you know it's a ghost it was a ghost all right it was the holy ghost but why is it when god does a miracle in the church why is it that it's such a big deal you're like ron well isn't that what it's supposed to be isn't it no the point i'm making yes it's a big deal but what i'm saying is why are we shocked when it happens they cried out in fear. They're like, oh, it's a ghost. Whoa, this is scary. And Jesus is like, hello, guys, it's me. Why are you so shocked when I showed up in the supernatural? Pastor, you mean she got healed? Well, isn't that what we prayed for? They got a job? That's so cool. Well, isn't that what we were believing for? See, God is wanting to raise your expectation that you understand that wherever you are, Jesus will come to you in the supernatural. Now, the point of decision is what are you going to do with that moment? Only one out of all the disciples truly understood what God was wanting to do. Peter, don't you love Peter? He was always in the mix of everything. Peter gets a real bad rap, but you know what? There was something special about Peter. He's the only one that got it. He was like, well, Jesus, if you get a walk on water, then I want to walk on water. Huh? Yeah. Peter's like, well, God, if that's you, then let me just come to you. I'm going to tell you something very important right here. Many times we focus on the words of Christ as we should. 
But many times what he didn't say is as powerful as what he did say. Let me explain. Here's Jesus walking on water. And Peter's in the boat saying, Jesus, I want to walk on water too. Just think for a moment what Jesus could have said at that moment. Oh, okay, Peter. Yeah, you just want to hop out here and walk on water with me. But uh, if I let you out here, you'll just take your eyes off of me in a few moments and start looking at the wind and the waves and start listening to the flesh that says you can't walk on water. And you'll just start doubting and you'll start drowning. So why should I even let you out here in the first place? He didn't say that. You know what else he could have said? Really, Peter? You want to walk on water? You want to experience the supernatural? You want to do what I am doing right now? But yet, on the night of your graduation from the original Master's Commission, the night that I will need you the most, when they come to arrest me and put me up on a cross to die for your sins, the night that I will just need a friend, that night that I will need somebody to stand with me, You know what you're going to do, Peter? You're going to betray me. Not once, not twice, but three times. You will cuss somebody out. You will be furious. You will deny you even knew me. And you want to walk on water. But he didn't say that. You know why I wanted to make that point? It's because there's so many people in the church that you have disqualified yourself from the supernatural. Because you know God knows you better than you know yourself. And he sees all the faults and the failures. He saw everything about Peter. And yet, he said, you're not disqualified. So in other words, everybody in this room qualifies. How do we get close to God? How do we come... To that place of that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. How are we going to do it as we finish out 2015 and we start 2016? How are we going to do it? You're going to have to understand that in these last days in which it will become more chaotic, more crazy, more dark, more disease and wars and and suicide bombers and terrorists and stock market up and down and the cost of a barrel of oil and all the things that affect our lives, you better know what it's like to access the supernatural. Because the distinction, the difference of People of God and people of the world is the difference is that we have access to Jesus Christ that walks in the supernatural and He has released that to you and I as well. Peter, you know what? You want to walk on water? Yeah, I really do, God. Well, then come on. I'm going to blow some of your philosophies and theologies right now about miracles and the supernatural. I think we've always been taught that the only time God does miracles 
is when we have some big need or desperate situation. But I want you to look at this story a little bit closer. God's motivation in doing the supernatural and providing miracles, God's motivation in doing that is so that every time He does that, Jesus Christ gets exalted. God's Son gets exalted every time He does a miracle. That's His motivation. So think about this. Did Peter need to walk on water that night? He didn't need to. But he got to. You, you mean, you mean, Ron, that I can just want a miracle? Because I don't have a need in my life, but I want to experience the supernatural of God. I want to be close to God. You mean I can just ask for miracles even if I don't have a need? Yes. Why? Because it exalts Jesus Christ in a world that is looking for the supernatural. And they're looking for it in the occult. They're looking for it in witchcraft. They're looking for it in money. They're looking for it in drugs. They're looking for it in so many places. But the only true supernatural is in Jesus Christ. And that's why He is crying out to His church Please give me the opportunity to do more miracles. Please give me the chance to operate in the supernatural. Think about this. Think about this. Um, I think, based upon Scripture, that every disciple in that boat could have walked on water that night. Only one did. Why is that? I think it's truly indicative of across the board, the church in many ways, is the majority will always choose to stay in the boat. You know why? Because it takes a step of faith to step into the supernatural. That step will always be the scariest step that you've ever taken. But all God needs you to do is take the first step, and he'll take care of everything else. Oh, I, God, I'm standing here on the side of the boat, and my, my brain's saying, I don't walk on water. I can't swim, God, I can't swim. Oh, Jesus, one step, one step. Do you think I should get a life jacket on? Maybe they tie a rope around me. God, this is scary. Jesus walked on water that night because he could. You know what? He gave us the example. You know what he could have do? He could have just hired another boat to bring him out to the disciples. But he, he's trying to send a message. My people, I'm telling you, I have got this whole supernatural realm out there, the miraculous... And yet, we think, listen to this, we think staying in the boat is the safe thing. We think 
If I stay in the boat, then I'm protected. Let me explain it like this. The boat represents the natural. So if you stay in the boat, then you're subject to the natural laws. And the last time I checked, if you stay in the boat and the winds and the storms of life began to come and bash that boat, then what happens? It can bash you into the rocks. It can hurt you. It can destroy you. It can turn you over and you drown. But how many knows if you're walking on top of the water, it doesn't matter how big the waves get. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is. It doesn't matter what the natural turns at you and throws at you. You're walking above that because you're walking in the supernatural. So I want you to look back on this year. I want you to think about the things and the challenges and the storms that you went through and determine 2016 is not going to be like that because I'm going to do what it takes to get close to Jesus. And the way I get close to Jesus is I got to step into the supernatural. And how do we do that? How do we step into the supernatural? Let me tell you just one part of that. And that is understanding that the Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to step into that supernatural. What do you mean, Ron? This is what I mean. This is, this is a, literally is transformed by life in the last few weeks. Literally, I have, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 16 and I have lived throughout all these years. I'm 46 now. I have lived all these years being filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the great things about the Holy Spirit is that God gives us a heavenly language in which the Holy Spirit prays through us. Let me tell you, the Bible says there will be times in your life that you don't know how to pray. I was in the state of Montana and a church up there that I've like spoken like 16 years in a row they knew my crazy schedule, and so they started a tradition several years ago. They, there was a man in the church that had a little cabin out in the mountains, about 20 miles outside of town, up in the mountains. No electricity, no running water, no indoor toilet, nothing. And all the women are saying, sounds like prison to me. But they knew that I love the mountains, the outdoors. And so what they had me do, they had me start flying in a few days early. And that a bunch of guys and the pastor, we would go out to this cabin and we would do men things. You know what we did? For three days, we would eat meat. I'm not talking about the white meat. I'm talking about real meat. Like elk and moose and deer and bear and I don't know what else we could kill. We would ride four-wheelers. I'm not talking about the little battery power. I'm talking about Polaris four-wheel drive, Polaris four-wheel drive, four-wheelers. Legit. And the third thing we would do, we would shoot guns. Not little 22s, 357s, okay? Come on. Had the most incredible time. We loved that. Became such a tradition that more and more people were wanting to do it. In fact, the 
pastor, his wife, they were both outdoors people. They both have four-wheelers. And so she was like, I want to be a part of this. And so they brought their RV trailer out. And, and pastor and his wife stayed in the RV. And it was a Friday morning. It was pristine. It was a fall morning. It was cold. It was blue sky, sun shining. And we were riding four-wheelers. And we were just having a great time. And about halfway through the morning, we decided to change mountains. And we came down. And we were just driving on a flat, straight, little dirt road. And I was on a four-wheeler behind the pastor, and then the pastor's wife was behind him, and I was right behind Renee. And we were driving along, and in a split second, everything changed. Her back wheel of her left side of her wheel, four-wheeler clipped a huge tree that had been cut and fallen down to the side. And all of a split second, this is what I saw, this four-wheeler thrown like this, and then Renee thrown through the air, and none of us had helmets on, and it slammed her to the ground, and her head whiplashed, and it just so happened right under her head where it whiplashed into the ground, there was a rock, and her head smashed into that rock, and it killed her. What do you do? She just she just was killed by a massive brain injury. We had no access to anything. It wouldn't have mattered even if we did. We didn't have any ambulance or a helicopter or a doctor or an ER. We didn't even have a cell phone signal. And I see Pastor Jim get off his four-wheel and he runs back and he just falls down in the dirt and he scoops up his dead, lifeless wife in his arms and he is just in shock and he is just crying out, Renee, Renee, you cannot leave me. She was gone. He said, Ron, she's gone. There's no heartbeat. She's not breathing. One of the men that was with us, he took off as fast as he could go on his four-wheeler to try to get help. Another one got on his four-wheeler to go get the truck. Another one took off to the top of the mountain to try to, to make a cell phone call, to try to get a cell phone signal to get help. And I was just standing there. I would love to tell you that evangelist Ron Rhodes began to pray the most eloquent, amazing prayer, but that was not happening. I was in shock. This was my great, great friends in my life, and I am standing there, and I am sick to my stomach, and I realize that we're not going to be starting a revival. We're going to be planning a funeral. As much as I would have loved to be able to pray the most amazing prayer, I couldn't. I couldn't form a word. But that's why there will be times in your life that it's not an option. And I'm so glad that it wasn't an option for me to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about a a time in where the the gift of the Holy Spirit of tongues was kicking in into a service. I'm not talking about that. There's the gift of tongues, but there's also a heavenly language that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit because there will be times in your life that you don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit always knows how to pray. And on that day, out there in the middle of the the woods and the mountains of Montana, watching a, a, a husband hold his dead wife in his arms, the let me tell you, when my electricity shuts down, I've got a gen- 
generator that kicks in and his name is the Holy Spirit. When I don't have the abilities and I don't even know what to say and I don't know how to pray, my Holy Spirit and the wonderful heavenly language that he has blessed me with kicks in. And you know what happened? I just began to pray back and forth in the Holy Spirit. I just began to pray in the Holy Spirit because you see the Holy Spirit knows how to pray. The Holy Spirit will never go into shock. The Holy Spirit will never be tongue-tied. The Holy Spirit will never not know what to do. In fact, the Holy Spirit has access to the supernatural in ways that I will never have. And I walk back and forth for 20 minutes, 20 minutes walking back and forth. And Jim's just rocking back and forth, holding his dead wife in his arms. And he's just, he's just crying. He's just crying. He's crying out to his wife, Renee, Renee, please do not leave me. But the reality is, was Renee was already in heaven. But anything and everything can happen when you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit begins to intercede in ways that you would never even think of. He sees things and he knows things to pray that you will never think of or see or know. And let me tell you, 20 minutes praying in the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden there, there's something going on, Pastor Jim. There's something changing over there. And all of a sudden, Pastor Jim says, Hey, Ron, guess what? Look, look, I see some eyes fluttering. And all of a sudden I, I hear a heart beating. And you know what? God raised Renee Sinclair from the dead. She was already in heaven, but God brought her back because he said, Renee, I'm not through with you yet. She has one of the most powerful, amazing testimonies about going to heaven. Let me tell you, she says there's something about heaven that no one can explain, but she says there's even a smell that is associated with heaven. Just a few months ago, she contacted me. She says, I'm finally writing the book about my, my experiences. She says, I need you to, to, to give me a chapter, your perspective, your what happened. Because she was up in heaven. And let me tell you something else about heaven. You never want to leave it, even if God allows you to look down and you see your husband holding your dead, lifeless body in his hands and he's screaming and begging for you to come back. You don't want to leave heaven once you are in the presence of Jesus. And the only reason that Renee was raised from the dead is because Jesus says, I'm not done with you. And she begged and pleaded, please don't send me back. I cannot leave this place. I cannot leave your presence. But he says, Renee, I'm not done with you yet. You see, she's a mother. She's a grandmother. She's a pastor's wife. She is an incredible woman of God. And today she is still alive. Because God understands that the supernatural is not just when we need some money or need a job. It's also when life and death is involved. This is what God showed me in the last few weeks about my, my heavenly language, my prayer time in the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it this way. If all you ever do is pray in your given language, like English, Spanish, Italian, Cantonese, Mandarin, whatever your given language, if all you ever do is pray in your given language, you will only ever pray 1%. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit in your prayer time, you go from 1% to 
See, what God is wanting you to understand about the Holy Spirit and the supernatural is there's so many things that happen and attack us and attack our lives that the Holy Spirit can see before we do. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to shut down the tragedies and the attacks and the storms before they even have a chance to happen. But because we just revert back to what we can pray about and what we can see, we limit ourselves to 1%. But that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Is that that become a daily part of your prayer time and that God would stretch you in that because God in this supernatural is wanting to stop things before they even have a chance to attack you, to attack your marriage, to attack your children, to attack your job, your business, your finances, your health, whatever. In 2016, God is challenging the body of Christ. Step into the supernatural. And the key way is through the Holy Spirit. Praying through you. One step, you know, this is what happens. There will always be a majority back in the boat that do not have the same level of faith as you do. You can listen to them like no doubt those disciples were like having fun with Peter. They were having fun with me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Guys, get your cell phones out and get the video going. This is going to be good. This is going to this is going viral. <laughs> Peter trying to be like Jesus and walking on water. He is going to drown. He's going to go down. I mean, they are doing all those things. Listen, listen, you can be the one that steps out of the boat and walks on water, or you can be the one back in the boat staying in the natural. But I don't know about you, but I want to start walking on water. I want to start seeing the dead raised. I want to mess up some funerals. Amen? I, I, I want to rob. I want to rob the coffin company from some bodies that they were counting on. Come on. I, I, want, to, I want to stop cancer before it even has a chance to come into your body. I, I want to bless you in finances like you have never been seen before. But until you start trusting Jesus and willing to take steps of faith, you will never step into the supernatural. Let me explain it like this. I, uh, because as an evangelist, uh, over these last 20 years, I've had the opportunity and privilege to do a lot of youth camps all over the nation. In fact, internationally as well. Some beautiful, beautiful places. Well, I, I'm reminded of this one camp that is up in the state of Washington. It's, it's northeast of Seattle. And it's just surrounded by mountains and trees. And it's just beautiful. And I really thought we were having a great camp that week. Services were going amazing. Kids getting set free, delivered, getting touched, called, filled, healed, all these things. I really thought we were having great breakthroughs. See, then one day I realized that this camp was not nearly as spiritual as I thought. Because for some unknown reason, the people, the directors of the camp thought it would be great to put in a 60-foot zip line for the kids to have fun. Not fun. 60 feet up a tree. You're supposed to climb this tree, get hooked to a cable, and jump off this tree, and that's supposed to be fun. Not fun. Don't want to do it. So one day, kids are out there doing the zip line, and... They got the demonic idea that the speaker needs to do 
the six-foot zipline. See, I thought they were getting saved, but obviously they were still demon-possessed. Little demon-possessed children that needed God to set them free. Because they pushed me up against that tree like an angry mob. They said, come on, let's do it. I'm like, no. If you need me to spell the two-letter word, no, I will spell it for you right now. N-O means no. I have nothing to prove. I have a wife and a daughter that need me. They didn't care. Cold stares with no love or compassion. They said, come on, it'll be fun. Look at these little 13-year-old girls zipping up the tree and zipping down. Look at them, they're having fun. I said, yeah, but there's a big difference. My brain's fully developed. Theirs isn't yet. They're a teenager. They said, come on, it'll be safe. Oh, yeah, so say, why are you putting a helmet on my head and having me sign a release waiver in case of major injury or death? And the problem with this 60-foot zip line is you had to climb this tree. There weren't like nice little steps or anything. You literally had to climb the tree. It was so dangerous. They had to hook you up to a whole harness and cable just to make sure you just didn't fall out of the tree before you even have a chance to jump off the zip line. They got me all hooked up. I was not a happy camper. I was, I was just, I was scared to death. I'm not making this up. I didn't want to do it. And uh, after quite some time, I finally climbed up this tree to 60 feet in the air and get to this little platform. And there is an 18 year old young man that's way too cheery to be 60 feet high in the air. And he welcomes me like, Hey dude, isn't this cool dude? I'm going to knock you off this dude. You know, like a lack of oxygen is getting to you, brother. I sit there and he he hooks me up to the little cable attached to the big cable and, and he's like all oh, whipping around getting all ready he's okay ready to go and I'm like calm down there turbo you know it's like I am like scared I'm like we need to pray we need to pray this is a serious moment this could be a tragedy in the making all right we need to pray and how many of us we've always been told God's got our back and all that right you know well that day, 60 feet in the air, I said, God, great time for the rapture. I'm halfway there. <laughs> Obviously, we are still here. The problem with this zip line is when you're on the platform, the little cable that you're attached to, that attaches to the big cable, it's got extra play in it. You don't feel the security of it until after you jump. Yeah, not fun. Don't want to do this. I finally scoot over to the edge where I can't go any further without going over. And like all the kids are down there, come on, Pastor Ron, come on. Ah, shut up, you know, I'm just. You're going to really regret this in a few moments when I'm the one out of a million chances that I'm going to go splat right in front of you. I finally, like trembling, I finally go, okay, we got to do this, and I jump. <sighs> You know, when your spleen and gallbladder comes up in your throat kind of thing, you know, that's what that moment was. And then all of a sudden, gravity took over and stretched the line out. And, and I began to zip down the zip line. Are you kidding me? All of a sudden, I was big, bad evangelist, threw out my arms. Ah! It was fun. Wow! What a rush. I zipped down to the platform. All the kids came running over. See, Pastor Ron wasn't cool. Don't you want to do it again? No. 
But you know what? I was fine. And I would have never experienced that. I wouldn't have been willing to take a step of faith. One of the biggest areas that people of God do not access in the supernatural is finances. We have no problem trusting God for our health. We have no problem trusting God for our salvation. We give our eternity to Him, but yet we won't release our finances to Him. And I believe God is wanting to bless His church in such amazing ways because what you've always counted on, you've counted on your job, you've counted on what you can do, and God's saying, you are limiting yourself to 1%. If I just could get my people to understand what it's like to trust me with their finances, I would take the church to a level that they have never experienced and they would do more for the kingdom of God in these last days. And I need somebody to do it. I need somebody to trust me. And God is wanting to do that today. I want everybody to stand with you, if you would please right now. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you glory and honor, Lord. God, it is in you. God, we come to you right now. Lord, we run to you, Lord. Lord, we choose that today we are stepping out of the boat. God, we choose in these last few weeks of 2015, just a few weeks away from stepping into 2016, that we are determined We are determined to do what Peter did that day. God, somebody want to focus on that story about the fact that Peter got to walk on water. He was standing next to Jesus and he still took his eyes off Christ and began to drown. We love to talk about that. We love to focus on the fact that Peter started doubting and he was standing literally physically next to Jesus. And still the wind and the waves and the impossibility of the situation took his faith and attention away from Christ and put it on the situation in the flesh. But God, there is something so powerful about that moment and I think you even allowed that to happen because you needed to take care of those that would doubt and say, Lord, even Peter walked on water for a little bit, but he still started to drown. And God spoke to me about this, and this is what he said. Yes, Peter, he started doubting just like everyone in this room right now. God's always taken care of you. He's always provided. He's always healed you. He's always provided in many different ways. But all of a sudden, this time, this trial, this storm, is going to be the one that defeats you and destroy you. And we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at the situation. We are no better 
and no worse than Peter. But the great thing that God wants us to realize and why it's in God's word is even if you're standing next to Jesus and you took a step of faith and in a moment of weakness you take your eyes off Christ and you begin to drown, Jesus did not let Peter drown that day. He reached out and lifted him back up and they walked back to the boat together. In other words, this is the lifetime guarantee. If you step out and you take a step of faith, even if you start doubting and you start to sink, God won't let you drown. So what are you holding back for? What are you afraid of? Why won't you trust God? God's been speaking to you about stepping out in your ministry. He's been speaking to you about stepping out for a new position, a new job. He's been speaking to you about stepping out and reaching your family with the gospel of Jesus Christ, your best friend, the co-worker, the student that sits across from you. Will my people trust me so that they can get close to me and walk in the supernatural?